0: Welcome to This Week in Photo. Bandwidth for TWIP is brought to you by Cashfly at C-A-C-H-E-F-L-Y dot com. This episode of TWIP and a special insider survey for this podcast is also brought to you by the new 2011 Hyundai Equus. Discover the Hyundai Equus. It's the new premium luxury sedan from Hyundai, offering first-class refinement and features. Take the insider survey for this podcast at com. That's com and audible.com. They're the Internet's leading provider of audiobooks with more than 75,000 downloadable titles across all types of literature. For a free audiobook of your choice, go to audiblepodcast.com slash twip. Is taking photos of the airport security line a good idea? Canon offers to modify your camera and a follow-up on Topaz Lab's in-focus software. It's Saturday, December 4th, 2010,
1: and this is TWiP.
0: And welcome back to TWiP, your weekly source of photographic inspiration. I am your host, Frederick Van Johnson, and joining me today on the show are miss nicole young and mr Derek story hey guys hello all right nicole uh what have you been up to over the last couple of weeks you are you busy over there preparing for the holidays
2: i i you know i've just been working i got uh spent a little bit of time with my family flew out to see them in nebraska so i'm just kind of back sitting at my computer and Editing photos and answering right, Photoshop questions. But so. you,
0: are, you are the iStock the person, so I'm sure you're doing seasonal photography and shots you know, of snow and Santa and all that stuff, here's,
2: right? Here's a secret. It's too late.
0: <laughs> Uh-oh. Why? Everyone's already,
2: buy- everyone's already buying it. Usually that, when, when, you, when you photograph things for stock, especially seasonal stuff, you want to do it like five months before the season. Oh. So, And anything that I did that was seasonal was probably like two or three months ago.
0: Oh, okay. Well, yeah. is, is anything up that people can look at online?
2: On uh, my iStock portfolio, I have some like, yeah, but they're like far back <laughs>
0: because it was like three months ago. <laughs> but three months ago, you didn't shoot any Thanksgiving or Christmas type no, holiday shots.
2: I, I did some. I did some holiday. I did some like person wrapping gifts kind of pictures
0: Oh, okay That's, it was
2: really exciting it
0: was you, fun <laughs> was say, you sound really enthusiastic about those shots no, I, love, <laughs> I
2: love them I love my photos I, I absolutely love what I do so I, I make fun of them because it's like you know finger quote boring stock yeah. but uh, it's it's it, to me it's it's enjoyable and it's exciting and I love it so
0: awesome and Mr. Derek Story you are back on the show thanks for coming on what are you uh, what have you been up
1: to where, where have your travels taken you well, I was down in lovely Ventura recording the uh, iPhoto 11. Oh, uh, yeah. How'd that go? I mean, it went really well. It was fun. That was, that was with Linda, right? Linda.com? That's with Linda, yeah. Yeah. It, it's a fun app to play with. You know, there's there's a lot of... A lot of good stuff in there. So we had a great time, and, uh, you know, you just kind of put pedal to the metal for a week and, uh, you know, get this thing done. And uh, I think it turned out well. Uh, I'm looking forward. It'll be in the library here, hopefully later this month. Oh, very
0: cool. Okay, so in a word, or two words, should I switch from Lightroom over to iPhoto as my primary digital asset management app?
1: That word would be no. Okay. that's one word <laughs> you you've moved beyond iPhoto uh Frederick yes <laughs> it's in your rear view mirror yes but, but but for someone coming in into uh digital asset management and you know doing fun stuff on the output side it's fabulous it's fabulous but uh you know, not you Frederick no
0: but you but it just like, what's the highlight of the app? Like, what's what's the tentpole that you'd say? Okay, if you if you are in the the genre of the audience that needs to that would be gravitating towards iPhoto, what would you point them to as like the main feature that's knock their socks off?
1: Well, I I think output and sharing is it's very strong there, and I think what it does, what that app does, it does a good job. Of getting people to know where their photos are, and then getting them off their hard drive and getting them out into the world, rather uh, sharing them online, you know, connecting through Facebook and Flickr, or making books or making greeting cards, you know, all that sort of stuff. It's it's really good at saying, "Hey, look, you've got interesting stuff here. Share it, get it out there," and it makes it easy to do that. And I th- I think that's where it's really strong.
3: Yeah,
2: I thought it comes pre-installed on Macintosh. Computers, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I yeah. Think I, mean, my, I think that's one of the greatest things about it because if yeah. you have a Mac, you have that software, and it's really, really, really good software for being, I guess, free. You know. Yeah.
1: Well, yeah. My old my old joke is that I say a thousand times, but I never get tired of doing. It. I laugh at it every time. Which Steve Jobs says that iPhoto is free. You just have to buy a Mac to get it. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, we'll throw it in, just like that. <laughs> All right, guys, uh, before we continue, I want to give a quick nod to a new sponsor that has joined the This Week in Photo family. This episode is brought to you by the 2011 Hyundai Equus. We're surveying our podcast audience to learn about their uh, photography preferences, their favorite accessories, and more. So just go over to podcastinsidersurvey.com. Tell us what you think, and we'll let you know what the other listeners of this podcast say in an upcoming episode. And while you're over there, you should check out the new 2011 Hyundai Equus. It's it features first-class amenities like um, advanced technologies with like forward view, cornering cameras, all that crazy stuff. Like cruise control, a collision warning system, uh, which is my horn on my car, <laughs> and <laughs> or other people's, <laughs> or other people's. And this cool thing—I thought this is really cool. They have a their owner's manual instead of giving you like this thick book that sits in your glove compartment forever. It's an it's a iPad app. You know, the whole manual is in an iPad app. Hopefully, it's got some interactivity and stuff in there. That's it's nice. It's awesome. Have, yeah. have you got yours yet, Fred? Uh, <laughs> my iPad or my, my Hyundai? <laughs> You're your Hyundai. Uh, no, I'm waiting on it. So, as soon as they send it over, oh, I'll drive oh,
3: oh. <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> Hopefully, Christmas, there'll be a car with a bow. I always wanted a car <laughs> yeah. in the driveway with a bow on it on Christmas
3: morning.
2: Holy-
1: you
0: know, Who
2: even does that? I see all those commercials, and I'm like, do people actually do that? So you know, off topic, but well, what I
1: want to know is, where do you get the bows? Where do yeah. get those gigantic, like Gulliver's
0: travel size bows.
2: You know, they may. It's possible they come with the car. You know, I don't know. Yes, don't
0: know. yeah. If you buy a car and you say, "I want a bow," because it's a gift, maybe they have a
1: whole gifting department. That well, they- well, the thing is, if you buy it with the <laughs> car, it's four hundred dollars. <laughs> if you get it separately, it's twenty five dollars. So I love yeah.
0: it. That could be a little cottage industry, a little vertical right there. You know. <laughs>
1: All right. I, I'll stick to what I'm doing.
0: Yeah, there you go.
3: <laughs> <laughs>
1: that
0: would be quite a leap for you, Derek. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, if you want to discover a new kind of luxury and and uh, participate in our special survey for this podcast brought to you by, of course, the 2011 Hyundai Equus, just go over to podcastinsidersurvey.com. Again, that's com. All right, guys. Uh, before we jump into the news, Derek, I had a question for you. Because um, you are, you know, I, I put you in the bracket of, you know, not only excellent photographer, you know, multimediographer, all this stuff, but you're a Mac uh, expert. So AirPlay, which just came out, AirPlay for those of you who don't know about, is a technology that Apple rolled out in the latest release of its iPad, iPhone software, and iTunes. I guess that allows you to play media from your device to. Uh, things that can receive it. So basically, if you have a, an Air, a Apple TV connected to your television, you can play stuff from your phone or your iPad directly to that television. Derek, I was wondering, is there a way to play photo albums from your device on an on a AirPlay-connected device? Do you know about that? Uh,
1: well, you know, I think that's a great question. And, and I, I don't know. I, I haven't got that far yet. I sort of I got stuck on AirPrint, mm. you know, mm-hmm. and... and- sort of was growling and grousing about that whole thing because I didn't realize you had to have, like, a special HP printer. Or it doesn't work, you know, and you have to go. Otherwise, you have to go to, like, you know, the hack approach to, to printing from there. But I was thinking the same thing and, and was going to play with The problem with AirPlay for me, it, it goes the wrong way. You know, I, I don't really want to stream from my iPad to, um, or, the, you know, the way that people talk about a lot is not the way I want to go, not from my iPad to to my stereo system i usually just have a hard disc with all my stuff on it and just stream it throughout my studio but yeah but i i think it's an interesting idea that uh you know i like playing with these sort of things to see how far you can stretch them even though apple likes to lock them down you know it's always fun to see which uh you know what you can find and what make it work and you know maybe i'll play with that a little bit and we'll talk about it next show
0: yeah that'd be great yeah it's uh and i i, I agree with you the I would love if if it went the other direction right now you can to you know I can play music from my from my main iMac here throughout mm-hmm. the house to you know whatever devices like the the Airport yeah, Expresses know. and all that stuff um, and, and I would love to be able to say, "Oh, look! There's an iPhone on the network. I want to play through that." You know, or or be able to pull media from my iMac, which where all my movies and music are stored, and play them on my phone. You know, so
1: yeah, I you know I just want to s- spend an afternoon, you know, just being hackish with all this sort of stuff and and seeing where you know where you can take it. I mean, I'm using my old uh, Apple TV right now as a media server. Mm-hmm. it's got the hard disk in it and uh it's working out you know really well because uh and i wrote a little article on it and it it uh, gets a lot of other people like that idea too you i
0: you know because mine's in the closet now you gotta point me to that article
1: man pull that oh that that you can do a lot with that puppy it's uh uh you know you you hook it in basically because you it sounds like you already have your system set up you know uh you just plug it into the system your little remote works with it uh you know, you configure it, and you don't even have to have the TV on or anything for the music stuff once you get it configured. And it's, it works out really well. Mine's got like a 160-gig hard drive, I think. and So there's a lot of stuff on there.
3: Very
0: cool. All right. we well, right, we'll definitely link to that to, for the folks that are interested in that in the show notes for this episode. All right, uh, let's jump into the news. This first story um, is really interesting and is a little frightening, actually. The, all this stuff, this is this first story is, is titled, I Was Detained by the TSA. And it's about a photographer who was detained for about a half an hour before he got on his flight for taking photos with his iPhone, uh, I presume it's his iPhone, um, of the security line and those new, you know, I call them booty scanners, but the... <laughs> <laughs>
2: The naked scanners. The
0: naked scanners that can see all your quote unquote junk, you know, as you pass through <laughs> security. Oh, <man>. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't make this up. You know, people are saying this. Yeah. <laughs> so apparently this guy got detained because he was taking pictures um of their advanced imaging machines. And the the I guess the story piece of this is there's I guess paragraph two point seven of the TSA screening manual says that it is legal to do that. Now, Derek, you travel a whole heck of a lot. Um, Where do you fall on this? Would you, would you test that law? You know, if you, if you were kind of going through and you just wanted to take some pictures for a blog post about the TSA, would you, would you test it Uh, and see what, see how far you could go?
1: You know, I, you're right. I do travel a lot. And so I'm, I'm looking just to get through the darn thing. So my, my approach is look, you know, just be low profile, just, you know, Take my shoes and my belt off, they always have to go through my bag because you know they hate the way I pack my bag, so they always go through that. but you know i i really I just figure that point right there for me is just a barrier between where I want to go and my approach is just to get through it so yeah. uh, i don 't take i don 't take pictures or i don 't do any of that stuff I remember. Uh, I was on a USA basketball team uh, back when I was a younger lad and we were going to Germany and um, one uh, one of the guys on the team he was being hassled this was way before TSA and all that stuff and the guy standing next to me, another player, he goes, well, what do you think? He has a bomb on him or something? And I go, you idiot. Sure enough, he was pulled off into a detaining room, and he almost missed the flight to Germany yeah. just by you know, saying something stupid. So way back when I decided, you know what, this is just a place to uh, you know, just be low profile and get through the darn thing.
0: Yeah, I mean, Nicole, you, I, I don't know how much you travel, but you, I know you travel a fair amount. Do you? Where do you fall on this? Are you... Do you just kind of fall in line and go through or do you, you feel like your rights are being impeded upon?
2: Well, I mean, when it comes to the new scanners and stuff, that's like a completely different story because I don't I don't really feel comfortable with a lot of the stuff that they're doing. Um, but when it comes to the photography side of it, you know, I went actually went to the TSA website and it does say that it is OK for you to take pictures as long as you're not like interfering with the TSA operations and you're not making anything, you know, I I don't remember the exact wording, but something, you know, just as long as you're not making it a big deal and you're not getting in their way, and so we, don't, we with this guy, we don't really know what his approach was, if he was just like standing there and, you know, I mean, you can sneak photos. It's so easy to sneak photos. And maybe yeah. he was doing that and somebody just happened to see him and they took him aside and they, they made a big deal out of it, you yeah. know, or he could have been like making, you know, like holding it up like a camera and looking and really getting into it, you know, and then maybe that looked a little bit more suspicious, but, yeah, and I could see it from their side. If they see somebody sneaking a photo, yeah, that looks a little bit more suspicious, you know, but it's okay you know so it's it's kind of weird and i don't know it's it's really kind of controversial because you know you know i don't want to say oh well you know the tsa they're just you know they're they're not they're just trying to make things difficult and they're trying to make it you know a, a, you know make him look bad and all this stuff and cuz they didn't really know what to do they were all look, looking up all the info and trying to figure out if what he was doing was okay telling him he had to delete the photos and it's like well do they know what they're doing or yeah. you know are they just or do they think they know what they're doing or are they actually you know,
3: <laughs> or,
0: yeah, it's kind of like it's kind of like uh, like security guards gone wild. You know, yeah. you get a you get a little sip of power, and you and you're not exactly sure what the law is, but you kind of know that. I don't know if this is legal, so I'm going to err on the side of it's not legal, and you know, exercise my authority over this helpless person.
2: Yeah. But you also have to feel. F- I feel for the you know, with all the other stuff with people, you know, the people they're saying they get groped and whatever. Uh, from their side, from the TSA's perspective, they're standing there like. Getting yelled at and getting, you know, like having these horrible things t- said to them all the time as people are going through this process. The people that don't want to go through the scanners and understand what's going on. So I can see where it's just they feel like they're being harassed in some way, you know. They took the job,
1: though, you know,
2: they took the gig. So. I, I don't think you should <laughs> test things. You know, right. I don't think
1: you yeah. should. Yeah, I mean, a little diplomacy
0: goes
3: happens. a long way.
2: Yeah.
1: In,
0: in but I, I agree. I'm, you know, for me, when I go into airport mode, I'm I'm in cattle mode, you know. I'm like, okay, <laughs> yeah. w- moo, whatever, go over there, okay, moo, okay, you know. I just feel like I'm, I'm a piece of meat until I get my bags on the other side and I'm out of the airport. Then I can take my. I go back into Frederick mode, but yeah. you know. But then there, where's that line at? Now I'm going to read the this line from from the uh, the TSA screening manual. It says TSA does not prohibit the public does not prohibit the public passengers or press from photographing videotaping uh, videotape or (laughs) filming uh screening locations unless the activity interferes with the tso's uh ability to perform his or her duties or prevents the orderly flow of individuals through the screening location so it says yeah as long as you're not being an ass you can you know take photos but clearly this guy you're right nicole maybe he was being an ass but from his blog post it looks like he was being fairly innocuous as he was going through the line and they
1: saw the camera and said oh
0: you know terrorist we better get him
1: so yeah i mean this this stuff i mean happens fairly regularly in different areas i mean there's the other story with the photographer who had photographed obama that was used for the poster and she was shooting out in front of the the White House in, in in an okay area, in a public area, shooting someone on a stroller, uh, with a stroller, so we just kind of taking a shot there, and, and was totally harassed by you know, one of the security people there, and really, I mean, it was like running at her, telling her to put her camera down, <clears throat> and then wanted her to delete the photos and all that, and, you know, in the end, the upshot of the story was the guy was just, you know, he was just... Out of, out of bounds you know and know. and you know we get these people at t s a and we get them and so forth i i 've run into them before myself, and you know you just really just want to handle the situation best you can, but I think you know the thing is you don 't lose your cool if the other guy's losing his cool, and I, I think that 's you know a good place to start on this
0: yeah, and he just gets i wonder how far it can go though I mean not to be a alarmist or anything, but I wonder. You know, first it was okay, you go through the metal detector and it's just looking for metal objects, and then that got. Increased or the, the the technology of those screens got increased. Now they can pull you aside and go through all your stuff, and you know, and then the shoes. Remember the shoe bomber? So oh, then, I hate then the shoes. yeah, then you got to take your shoes off and walk through all the DNA of all the other people that, were, that are passing through the airport. <laughs> yeah. um, and then you know, I'm looking at the technology of these scanners. They apparently they can't see inside your body. So like this article was saying, if somebody really wanted to get something on there, they could surgically implant it in them or put it in their body some other way, right? So what does that mean? Does that mean the next wave of this is yeah. <laughs> TSA is going to be strapping on you know rubber gloves and pulling you off to the side? Oh gosh. you know what? Where does this? How far can this go? Well,
1: I mean, I did wear my speedo through the other day, and you know they. they <laughs> There's just, like, the visual. I'm they haunted just, like, for life. <laughs> cleared a path for me. I could. Just...
0: <laughs> Derek, I dare you to go through. T- I dare you to go to the airport with foil underwear on? <laughs>
2: Yeah, I've heard that you hear all the horror stories, and I've heard the horror stories of women going through, and they saw something that they didn't like, and it was, you know, nothing wrong. And then they just these horrible stories of these people that just feel like they're like, Actually harassed when they're going through these. Just, how far do they really need to go? That far? I mean, they should be profiling people. <laughs> yeah. I don't look like I'm a terrorist. If I'm just walking through, I got camera gear. I'm.
0: You yeah, know. that's the thing, though. I mean, what what terrorist looks like a terrorist? I mean, are you, do they like wear a <laughs> scarlet letter T on their chest? You know. <laughs> <laughs> <I don't. laughs> you know, I'm sure they look just like you and I and get, get in there.
1: Uh, I, I have a sad story around all of this, though. Uh, and actually, it happened on a on a recent uh, trip, uh, my trip to Germany. And uh, on my carry on, I had I had forgotten and left a Swiss Army knife in my carry on in my camera bag. And uh, you know, I and I I went through Philadelphia, and then you know I went through uh, Munich and all the, and I didn't discover that it was in there until I was getting ready to come back, and I was in the airport. I had already checked my other bag. And I just said, Oh, I don't want to throw this thing away, but I don't want to be pulled over. And I just go, you know what, I'm just gonna put it back where it was as I mm-hmm. made it this far. I did, and I made it the rest of the trip home. So I traveled this whole trip with a Swiss Army knife in my bag and and uh, never got hassled about it once. So I mean you just kinda go, Oh God, you know, why do we go through all this hassle? Yeah.
2: Yeah. Well did you do you know the guy have you guys seen that thing? The guy on Mythbusters, he actually recently went through an airport. And he, you know, it said he takes weird stuff with him. And he accidentally left, like, these really long razor blades in his check-in luggage and made it through. Then he made it all the way through. In his, uh, his carry-on? In his carry-on. And <laughs> saying, yeah, sorry, well,
1: razor blades. So, <laughs> yeah. And, like, and,
2: and then the things, like, you know, like, the military guys going through where they had these, they had like, rifles and assault weapons and all this stuff. And uh, they wouldn't let the guy take his, like nail clippers and but they had yeah. all these guns they were taking it and it's, it's like it's, it's,
1: it's so 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 tough situation
0: so
2: backwards sometimes but yeah
0: i mean it, it just goes on and on like the pilots yeah. for example the pilots i think up until recently or maybe even still now were subject to screening as well but you know they're the pilots if they wanted to do something they could just crash the plane you know <laughs> and they have weapons in the cockpit now so.
1: Well, yeah, and they just finally, I think they just finally backed off on that. Now I think they're going to a little ID system so the pilots can get through fast. Yeah. But you're right, you know, it's the pilot. (laughs) (laughs) (laughs)
0: Yeah, you have to go do the special psychological screening line to make sure that you will not, you don't feel like you're going to do some harm to the passengers.
1: Yeah, (sighs) well, you know, my thing is don't make him late and don't put him in a bad mood if he's flying the plane that I'm on, right? (laughs) Yeah. Get them on and get them some warm cocoa and let's go. Just
0: put them through a breathalyzer test and let them go. Yeah, you know? <laughs> that's
1: probably what I want.
0: <laughs> you know, no hitting the sauce while you're pulling on the yolk. All right, guys, let's move on to story number two. And this is right up both of your alleys. This is uh, about Canon offering a locking mode dial on the EOS Five D Mark II and the seventies. Now, Nicole, I know you're you're uh, heavy D or heavy D heavily. <laughs> heavily. <laughs> That's a rapper. Uh, you're heavily into this stuff. Uh, you wanna you wanna comment on this?
2: Uh, well, I have a 7D which does not have the lock, and then I have a 60D which does have the lock. What is this
0: lock? I mean, what it's, is it?
2: You okay? So imagine the top, you know, the, like the mode dial on your camera. You actually there's like a little button in the middle. You have to push it down so you can rotate two yeah. different modes. Mm-hmm. So uh, I don't, you know, it's it's. When, I would say the one thing that's kind of, you know, when I when I use my 60D a whole bunch, and then I go to my 70. Uh, I forget that you know one had the lock and one didn't. So especially if I'm going for my 70 to my 60D, I, I feel like just t- twisting it, and I'm like, oh, I have to push that button. Um, I don't, I don't really see. I, I've never accidentally, you know, while shooting, switched modes. Yeah. Um You know, it's it it's so out of the way from where I'm I'm holding the camera and doing anything with it. It's it's not even an issue for me. <laughs> um, I wouldn't pay a hundred dollars to have it done. I, I, if it comes in future cameras, that's fine. But I, I, you know, I, but honestly, with my 60D, the way that they set up the mode dial, uh, they have like you know all the, the, I guess the creative zone where those like um, aperture priority, manual, all that stuff, and then right below that they have all the. The automatic modes.
3: Mm-hmm. And then the
2: very bottom one is the video. <laughs> and it drives me crazy because I never use the automatic ones. But I'll go to the video, so I have to like, push the button down and twist it all the way to the bottom. So it gets kind of annoying in some cases. But I don't know. I wouldn't pay $100. I wouldn't, and I wouldn't want to send my camera off and be without my camera I don't know how long it would take, you
0: know. But yeah, yeah, totally. That's interesting, Derek. What about you? Is this uh, is this something you need, or is this you know just adding something for the sake of issuing a press release on Canon's side?
1: I don't know what they're thinking. I hate the gosh darn thing. <laughs> I, 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 <laughs> I I I have the 6 D too, which I love the camera. I absolutely love the camera, but. Uh, the, what Nicole was talking about drives me crazy too. I, I'm shooting in professional mode a lot, and then to go to movie mode, which is the second mode that I use the most, I have to hold. You know, my hands are big, so I have to hold down that middle thing with one finger, and then rotate it with the, with the other hand, and go all the way around over to movie mode. Now, if they had the thing turn where it could go both directions, or yeah, that would be okay. Through that would help a little bit. But that the locking dial thing just drives me crazy because a lot of times I want to change modes while I'm shooting while the camera's up, and um, it's just and I'm the same thing. I've never knocked it out of out of mode anyway, so I I'm not sure. I think they need to be working on something else. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> they need to be focusing their energies Like I'm telling <laughs> you, it was it, somebody was like,
0: we haven't had news. We need to, we need some news. Yeah.
1: <laughs> you know? they, should, they should be looking at the D7000 and be thinking, hmm, there's, maybe <laughs> we should look at this camera. That's what
0: I'm saying. I'm going to talk about that a little later. I've had one. <laughs> <laughs> Curtis, courtesy of borrow lenses for a while. And, uh, you know, I'll tell you what my initial impressions of the D7000 are a little bit later. Okay. Um All right. The, uh, the next story up is about Topaz Labs. We talked about them. I think I made them my pick. Um, it was last week or the week before on their in-focus software. But two things. First, the, the, I took the in-focus software out, or I didn't take the software out. I took my camera out and took some out-of-focus images and did a test. Um, of the in focus software. Cause it was like last, I mean, if you guys remember on the episode listeners, if you remember on the episode uh, where I was raving about it, I was like, if this thing is true, that means, you know, you might have, so you went to some exotic location and that one shot of that crazy gorilla, you know, that you got was slightly soft and you wanted to sharpen it up. You could do it with the software according to what we, what I was looking at on the website. But unfortunately when i went to try it out it, that was not the case unless i was there's a missing dial or some button i didn't press and i did a i did a quick video review of it on this week in photos go to thisweekinphoto.com and search for topaz or in focus or whatever and you'll find it but have you guys had a chance to play with this software at all or have you seen it
3: Mm-mm. i don't use I a lot seen. of
2: plugins
0: so. yeah what about you derek have you seen it
1: no i i mean uh, i i remember you talking about it and Thought okay, we're covered. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, <laughs> yeah. You, were, you were a little bit more excited about it than you are today. <laughs> I,
0: well, look at my video. I was, you know, my tweet had the hash that the the pound disappointed in it. <laughs> <You know? laughs> I mean, you know, and I felt bad because I was like, you know, I was excited about it on the show and I was like, you know, raving about it. And I'm sure people went to check it out. I'm, I'm sure a couple of people may have purchased it. But then I went on the show when I was raving about it. I said I was going to test it, which I did. And, you know, the test results came back <laughs> negative.
2: <laughs> so, well, it sounds like it's just another sharpening software. Is that basically all it is?
0: Yeah. I mean, it, I'm, I'm not the engineer, but what it was doing from my layman's eyes was it was trying to do some semblance of sharpening kind of like smart sharpen in Photoshop, but it was throwing noise and stuff in there unless Mm. it it just, it just was not doing, I was expecting, you know, that I could take a series of out of focus images, you know, some of them just slightly out of focus Mm -hmm. all the way up to this is mush. And I tried it on most of those. And, you know, even on the one that was slightly out of focus, it didn't do anything more than I could have done in Photoshop. Mm -hmm. So yeah, so if uh, listeners, if you're interested in seeing that review, just go to go over to. I think I did a hot link to it at fvj.me slash in focus review in focus dash review, or we'll link to it from the show notes from this post. And it's, uh, but you know, on in defense of Topaz Labs, their other software is really really good. Like they have a piece of software out called Denoise Five that um, it's kind of like the noise algorithm in Lightroom but kicked up a little bit. So it's uh it's actually pretty cool. We'll link to that in the show notes as well. But they uh you know they do some really, really crazy HDR type software and all that stuff. So Topaz Labs is good, only, you know, the results from In Focus were out of focus. <laughs> sort of like their version <laughs> of
3: the
1: locking dial.
0: <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. But <laughs> <laughs> excuse me. I was going to say, hey, you, you know, software producers out there, you know, beware. We will be testing this stuff, so it better work, and it better look like the stuff that you put on your website, or we'll call you out. All right. Uh, another quick nod to um, another one of our sponsors. We're brought to you by Audible.com. They're the Internet's leading provider of audiobooks. They've got more than 75,000 downloadable titles across all types of literature, featuring audio versions of many New York Times bestsellers. And if uh, the listeners of this podcast would like a free audio book, you can try out the service. All you need to do is go to audiblepodcast.com slash twip. That's audiblepodcast.com slash twip. And just a quick note on a book that I'm currently re-listening to. It's called... And I think a lot of the the, the photographers out there, especially the wedding shooters, We'll get a kick out of this book. It's called Selling the Invisible: A Field Guide to Modern Marketing by harry Beckwith and it's the basic premise of the book is it's about techniques for positioning yourself and selling your you know for people that sell services basically it's for people that sell services and not tangible goods um which is markedly different than you know say selling mugs or iphones or cars or something it's uh it's a it's a different world entirely and he sort of goes into how to position yourself with tactical tactics and strategies of you know how to get the most out of it um and this is an audiobook i you know just go to itunes or where or audible.com and search for selling the invisible and you'll see it Oh, Derek, are you are you listening to anything in particular? Right yeah, now?
1: you know, I actually listened to one of my favorites for the second time again on a recent trip, uh, Into Thin Air, by Jon Krakauer. Mm. And that is the most exciting book, and you know, he's he's a mountaineering, adventuresome writer kind of guy. He talks about uh you know this this trip they did to, to Everest oh, wow. that was just, you know, it's just hair raising. And, you know, he can write and he can also do the mountaineering side of it. And it's uh, it's one of those real life thrillers. It's just a great book and he reads it. So, you know, you're just like riveted. You know, it's like, no, I, I really don't want to get off the bus now.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Can we go one more stop, please? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's, uh you know, for me, I gotta, I have to start doing that because I've been so deep into nonfiction and instructional and mark and photography type books. I don't think I have the only the only fiction book I have is uh, that demon book that I recommended a couple a right. couple of weeks ago. I need to buy more nonfiction books. My library is is I have a ton of audible books in here and PDFs, but. You know, not a whole lot of fictional books in there.
1: Well, you know, we're all photographers, but you know, there's there's something to be said for for great writing, and then you know, people who can read great writing. It's a uh, it's it's a very enjoyable thing.
0: Yeah, Nicole, are you are you an Audible or no? Listener? I'm still
2: a uh, I still read you know with my eyes. Dead trees. <laughs> I <did, you> no know, <laughs> Kimball. I don't kill trees anymore. <laughs> oh,
0: there you go. Awesome. Very but didn't
2: cool. you did you recommend a book on hoarding a while back?
0: hoarding hoarding
2: uh, I heard that somewhere. have you been
0: in my garage <laughs>
2: <laughs> no I started reading it though I heard somebody it may have been on like a Mac break or something somebody re- recommended a hoarding book through audible and I was like "Oh, that sounds interesting
0: no that wasn't me it's, It mm-hmm. does sound interesting man yeah Anyways, All right, cool. Well, let's move on to our listener Q&A. Every week, our producers scour the TWIP forums at thisweekinphoto.com slash forum to find the best questions for us to pick apart and answer on the show. And this week's questions are pretty interesting. This first one is from Blair. He's in, um, He or she is in Auckland, New Zealand. And this is a canning question. So I'm going to throw it over to either one of you. You guys can fight over
2: it. Uh, you know, I could take this as a time-lapse one, too, and I've, I don't know about uh, you, Derek, but I've done a lot of time-lapse stuff. So. Oh,
1: I, I, I was hoping you'd take this one.
2: <laughs> oh, oh right. I'll do it then. All right. Blair writes, I'm doing a series of time-lapse around my city as we are heading into summer in New Zealand. I have a new Canon 60D, and after three successful shoots, I have decided to stop doing time-lapse and shoot HD video instead of st- instead and speed that up. My reason is I'm worried about shortening the life of my shutter, as after three sessions, I have 8,000 images already. At this rate, I will hit 100,000 within two months of owning the camera. So my my question is, will the shutter last past 100,000? If not, what is the cost involved in replacing the shutter? And apart from huge files and lots more pixels, what's the negative side of shooting HD footage footage and speeding it up uh, over shooting a frame every second? Well, you know, I've, uh, I haven't i have done time in a while, but I used to use my Nikon D200, and I still have it. It's still kind of like my dedicated time-lapse camera, if I ever want to go and do that stuff. Uh, and I'd, I'd always get people saying, oh, aren't you worried about your shutter actuations, and you're going to kill your camera? And I, I never really worried about it. <laughs> um, I mean, if you were to ask any photographer, there's probably very few photographers that can tell you that they actually killed their shutter at some point. And my guess is it probably only costs a couple hundred bucks to get it replaced. Um, so, you know, this, I, I'm not gonna say either way, you know, one's better than the other because, you know, shooting HD, you can only shoot like 12 minutes at a time. So you're limited there. Um, you, you know, if you want to do like a really lengthy time lapse of something that's like several hours long, you won't be able to, you know, doing the shutter, you know, with actual photos is going to be better for that type. Um, so if shooting HD footage works, you know. I mean, you do have to worry about other things like heating up your camera when it's, you know, if you're going to do a whole bunch of videos one after the other. Um, but I don't know. I, I, you know, if if you can afford it, just have one camera that's, uh, a, you know, just your time lapse camera. And I don't know. That's kind of a that's kind of tough because it all it, yeah. it's always really depends. But uh, you know, in a nutshell, I've I never really worried about it. Um, and I. I I don't know what my actuations are on my Nikon, but I shot a lot of time lapse with it and it still works. And I you know that's an old camera. I've had that camera for a really long time.
0: You know what's so. interesting about that? You know, while while you were talking there, Nicole, I did some quick math and a hundred thousand images. Now, Derek, you you can you can relate to this. So hundred thousand images. Back in the film days,
3: <laughs> if he yeah, was if he's
0: actually shooting film, if you divide that by thirty-six, that's about two thousand seven hundred seventy-seven shots. Which you know, at about six or seven dollars oh. per <laughs> roll, that's almost twenty grand in two months that he <laughs> would have burned through doing this. Is
1: that amazing? Now and now it's just like,
0: eh, you know, can my hardware handle this? You know, I love that. It, it
1: is good times. I mean, you know, maybe a little bit of smoke coming out of the camera if you're on the time lapse for too long. But I'm sort of with Nicole on this one. I, I shoot a lot, and uh, I, I've never worn out a shutter. I mean, I it seems like I find other ways to destroy the camera. <laughs> <laughs> Leaving them on planes and, you know, that
0: kind of thing. <laughs> yeah. We'll they can probably
2: upgrade before they get to that point, too, because yeah. most people aren't going to hit that many, you know,
1: but yeah. and, and I sort of think it's like the the date on a milk carton too. I mean, you know, they <laughs> it's sort of like they're guaranteeing it up to that point. But you yeah. know, in real life, it probably is. And good if you for-
0: like in in the milk carton, if you push beyond that date, it's just cheese. You could still eat it, right?
2: Oh gosh, <laughs> <laughs> well,
1: There's was a great Seinfeld uh, shtick about so that. So send
2: you your know? old milk to Fred because <laughs> they'll eat it.
0: <laughs> you know, I'm just saying. We gotta. You know, times are tough. <laughs> <laughs> It was free cheese. All right. Uh, Question number two is from Kyle Stay from Wisconsin. Derek, you want to take this one?
1: Yeah. Yeah. So this is a great question because I think a lot of people are wondering about this. You know, he's looking for a higher end point and shoot for uh, Christmas. And he's been eyeing the Canon PowerShot S95 and the Panasonic LX5 and the Panasonic LX3 too. And he says, I like these cameras because of their better low-light performance, HD video, and wide-angle lenses. So his question, his questions are, actually, which of these would you choose? Obviously, cheaper is better, but what added features do you get for the extra cash, and are they worth it? And all, then also, am I missing some models that I should be looking at? Thanks for your help. No, actually, I think for the, for the high-end shooter, I mean, for the, the serious enthusiast, who wants a compact camera? These are the two cameras that I, that I like a lot: the LX5 and, and the S95. Uh, not so much the LX3 anymore. It was it was a very good camera in its day, but the uh, I look at the Panasonic LX5 now, and I think you know it really comes down to what are you comfortable carrying. The LX5 has a little bit wider lens, 24 millimeter uh, instead of 28. Uh, it's a great camera. It shoots wonderful video. Uh, It has uh, 16 by 9 aspect. Also, if you want it, Uh, just terrific. Hot shoe. It's it's a beautiful camera, but it's a little bit bigger. It's more of a a jeans pocket camera. Mm. And the S95 uh, 28 millimeter on the wide end f2 uh, is is a terrific camera, and it but it fits in your top shirt pocket, and. I lean a little bit more, just slightly more, towards the S95 because I like the little bit smaller camera. But uh, it comes down to either one of those. I think pick them up, feel them, shoot with them, and then whichever one feels best, you've made a good decision. They're both great, great cameras.
3: Awesome.
2: You know, I'll say that Canon, that's S95. I've I I don't really look into uh, point and shoots a whole lot, but every once in a while I will see one and I play with one at my camera store at picture line and uh, I always go in there and I pick that thing up and I take pictures with it because it's so much fun. Like there's some really crazy things it can do, like shoot in a uh, fisheye mode and you know you can do the things like you can with now with the six d Like you can add uh, miniaturized effects and uh, it's it's really fun. <laughs> there a point and shoot is a point and shoot. You know, if you get a good brand and you just want to take normal pictures, I think for the most part, anything you get that's new, you're gonna be happy with. But I like that one because it's just kind of unique. Yeah. and that's it what I, if is. I was held at gunpoint and had to buy a point-and-shoot, that's when I would buy this. Yeah, yeah,
1: and you know you can shoot raw with it. They they put a very good lens on it. Uh, it has a great LCD. Uh, I mean, really, I mean these these are these are good little cameras. Yeah.
0: Oh, Derek, by the way, I remember when I, uh, a couple episodes ago, when I first started talking about getting the D7000, I think it was you that mentioned that, because I I think I said that I wasn't sure if I was going to use the D7000 as my everyday walk around camera. Mm Um and you you predicted that I would and you were right.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, I knew I knew once you started playing with that camera that it was not going to stray far from you.
0: That thing with a fast fifty on it is you know is is awesome. By the way,
1: it's a beautiful thing.
0: All right, uh, question number three is from Bill Dreetlin. And um he says, I own a Nikon D50 and have been happily shooting with it, or been happy shooting with it for the past five years or so. But I think I'm ready to upgrade my gear. In the past, I upgraded my lenses with a Nikon 35 mil f1.8 and an Nikon 18, 18 to 70. Uh, F3.5 to four 45 I chose them for the metal mount, which I like because I've busted a few past plastic mounts. So his question is, at what point should he consider upgrading the camera body? He's a photo enth- enthusiast, and he's experimenting with different styles, but not a pro. Um, you know, I'm gonna I'm gonna throw that out to the crowd. My my thoughts on that is like we've been saying on the show for years. It's not about the gear that you are shooting with. You know, you can do a whole heck of a lot with older bodies, and you know, it's uh, it's once you once you feel like you've mastered composition, lighting, exposure, and all that, you don't. You, Then you can start thinking about moving up, but I don't think you have to upgrade just for the sake of upgrading. Now, that said, there are some amazing bodies out there. So if you have the money and you want to play around with the latest and greatest, you can do that. But I wouldn't feel like you have to go out and get a a better or a different camera body to make your photography better. Now, notwithstanding the, you know, the whole issue of quality like plastic mounts versus metal mounts. Of course, if, you, if you're going to be shooting a lot and you want that durability, definitely upgrade for that purpose. But don't upgrade for the purpose of, okay, if I spend another $1,000, my photography is going to get $1,000 better. Derek, yeah. what do you think about that?
1: Well, in all honesty, if I was shooting with a D50, I would run to the store and get the D seven thousand.
0: But you're a gear hog. Come on. I know.
1: I know. <laughs> I'm just telling you what I think. <laughs> I I think the D seven thousand is is a as a terrific camera. Fifteen hundred bucks or what you know discounted to whatever. Yeah. And uh, but I I think it's a camera that someone will have for a while. So sort of along those lines, I just think that the difference between the the body that he has now and that body, I think, would energize him a little bit. Mm. And you're right, it's not about the gear, but you know what? Uh, uh, DSLRs have changed a lot in the last couple years. And uh, it, it, like, I'm going through the same thing now with the 60 D it excites me and I want to pick it up and I want to shoot more and I want to try things. And so I think there's something on that side of it too.
3: Yeah.
0: Yeah. I agree. I, I, I agree on the, like on the technology side. Yes. You know, all these bells and whistles and cool things that they can do now. But if you're a photography purist, um, you know, it's a, it's a light type box with a lens on it, you mm-hmm. know, and you can get some, you can get some really artistic images. You can do some really stunning work. If you, if you just go into a photography store or the library and look at the work that people were doing 50 years ago, you know, it's way beyond what, you know, anything I've even dreamt of doing, you know? So, and they had nothing close to what I have in my iPhone.
2: <laughs> so, you know, I, I agree. I agree that, you know, you you don't need the best gear to make amazing photos. But I think everyone will get, you know, if you keep the same camera long enough, like what I, because I have, you know, I kept the, I had the D200, the Nikon D200 forever. And it really did get to a point where I, I needed to upgrade because it was holding me back. And, you know, just that was because, probably because of my photography style, the things I wanted to photograph. And there were limits, you know, the ISO, things like that. And uh, I, I think that it does get to that point. And it's because... These days, you know, like you were saying, the DSLRs they change. Back when everyone was shooting film, they had the cameras. You know, the cameras were different, but it wasn't like a new camera coming out like every two months. You know, new DSLR coming out every two months because you know you put film in there. The film is the quality. You know, obviously the lens and the glass and everything. But um, it's you will eventually get to a point where you feel like you've outgrown the capabilities of your camera and you want to, you know, because not that those extra features are going to make you better, but you'll utilize them. It's a tool, you know, and if you have a better tool, then you'll probably, you know, if you know how to use it, you probably, you know, you're probably going to make it with the while. So
1: yeah. And you know, to the kind of build on what, what, and Nicole's saying, "Yeah, Frederick, they they did have you know a camera with a lens and a box and all that, but believe me, these guys were tweaking then too. They yeah. were they were they were Darker. playing with the film. They were playing with the processing. They were playing with every little bit that they could play with. And I think if if they were here today." they They would be you know excited about trying new things and testing new stuff too, so i 'm not saying go out and spend a lot of money but i but I do think you need to stay excited about your craft so that yeah. you can continue to move forward That's true. And, that I, is. and i
0: don't want to sound like a you know a luddite or anything because you know gear is i think gear is important, and you know much like they said when you know when when we were transitioning from Horse-drawn carriages to automobiles—you know, it's progress. <laughs> you know, so well, progress. You're progress show
1: is two gearheads here, so you've got to balance it. I so <laughs> we
0: appreciate. I am a, I am a gearhead too. I'm just saying I <laughs> I just I am 110 percent a gearhead. I just think that the uh, you know you have to balance that with art, you know, and the artistic piece of it. Mm-hmm. Light light hasn't changed, you know, since the Earth was cooling. I guess mm-hmm. you know, and different ways of capturing it.
2: You know, like you don't have to think. Like I have, uh, I have, I have, I think two L glass, uh, two L lenses. But I also have like two or three, Canon. You know, I have like a twenty eight. I have a fifty one four, and they're just normal lenses. They're really inexpensive. But I did some photos, you know, for work, you know, a couple of weeks ago, and they turned out great. You know, it probably better than one of my L lenses that I have. You know, my pro lenses. So it's, you know, you don't have to have the top of the line to get really no, good.
1: photos. Actually, that that fifty that little plastic lens that just mm-hmm. feels like, you know, i oh got fall apart, takes great pictures. <laughs> yeah. Wait, Derek, the lens doesn't take great pictures. The photographer does.
0: Oh, <laughs> uh, here we go.
1: <laughs> no, in, in my case, actually, Frederick, the camera does. I just sort of... <laughs> He's just he's
0: along for the ride. I put it
1: on a cart and First mode.
0: well that's a good segue into this the next part of um, Bill's question. He says, Would it make sense to step up to the next level of lenses if I'm still using an older DSLR like the D fifty? Or would that be like putting high performance tires on a Yugo? Derek <laughs> <laughs> Is that uh, you know? Is he is he putting bling on an old car, or should he uh, should he upgrade the car and get good glass?
1: Well, uh, I'm going to be curious to see what Nicole says about this too. But I, I think that you know, one thing I will say is that the newer cameras are you know more sensitive to good glass. In other words, I think you could get away a little bit more with uh, glass on the older bodies. The newer bodies, you know, I think show imperfections in in the lens design a little bit more. So uh you know, it's it's a chicken and an egg sort of thing though, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> uh personally I, I would go uh with both. <laughs>
2: <laughs> well you can you can never uh, you never go wrong with buying good glass. Thank I mean it's so just like yep. I never buy I don't buy the I have only crop sense uh crop frame whatever uh a 7d and the 60d but i always buy the full frame lenses to go with it because i do want to get the, my next my next next camera purchase is going to be probably the mark 3 you know canon 5d mark 3 success or whatever that you know whatever that is, whatever yeah. the five D three ends up being called that I'll probably end up getting that because I want a full frame, but that means I can also use all of the lenses that I have with that. So you never, ever, ever go wrong with buying good glass.
0: Can you tell that to Ron Brinkman? Cause <laughs> Ron is still that crop frame sensors will rule the world thing. <laughs> you know, no, we-
2: I don't think so. I think that, I think that, you know, cause, cause I'm looking into that, uh, fi- the eight to 15 L lens that's going to be coming out, I think in March. And, uh, I'm, I'm thinking about getting it, but the cool thing with that is you put it on a crop frame, you have this really, really, really crazy wide, you know, like about as wide as you can get with filling the whole frame, but you put it on a full frame body and you have the circular fisheye yeah. at the eight meter. And that's like, that's so cool. You can't do, you know, you, I don't even know how you would, it'd be really expensive to get a, a piece of glass that would actually make a, you know, a full frame fisheye on a crop frame body. So, yeah. Not well, that I'll use it a whole lot, but it's just cool. <laughs> I
0: know. Yeah. Well, the, the last part of uh, Bill's question is he says he's thinking about the new D7000. Um, he's asking me if I was happy with my trial. Um, or he's going to grab a D90 while they're still available. So my, if you can guess what my...
2: (laughs) You already answered, I think.
0: (laughs) I think I already answered that. The D7000 is an amazing camera. I was out uh, down in San Jose last night. They have a little thing down there called Christmas in the Park every year where they have all these little displays and animatronics and Santa Claus and Christmas trees and all this stuff. So I was down there and I thought I would take the D7000 down there to see what kind of HD it would capture in that kind of high contrast dark but lights and movement and all that and that thing is insane you know if if you can label a camera insane this camera is insane and what i think you know i, I also borrow lenses also let me play with the th- d300s and that also shoots video so i was playing around with both of those bodies and the difference between just getting into video mode on the d7000 it's just, it's stupid easy. So you're like on the back of the body, you go into live view, live view mode, you just flick a lever, you can see live video on the LCD, and then you press a record button and you're recording, yeah. you know, it's That's just like, like the
2: that. the 7D, so yeah. Yeah, it's beautiful. That's, I mean, it's yeah. like,
0: okay, wow, you know, so I want, so now like Derek, I was saying now that camera is now my go-to camera, you know, for just carrying around day to day, my D700 um, is feeling a little neglected and jealous, you know. I saw a tear come out of the lens, little, <laughs> sitting in the bag. But you know, I'm going to post some of those videos online that I shot last night. But they're, uh it's amazing. I'm, uh, I'm, I'm yeah, really yeah, happy uh, with that.
1: Don't, don't go with a D90 right now. I mean, yeah. really. Uh, uh, I, I mean, as if you get a good deal on one as a backup camera, yes. But the difference between those two cameras, the one you're talking about, Frederick, and the D90 is is huge. It's huge yeah so
0: uh, do you have one Derek a d seven thousand or are
1: you no no, I, I got to play with it i love you know I have you know a whole bunch of Canon glass so yeah. i I tend to to stick with those bodies but i I love testing Nikon I love testing Olympus uh, actually we're you know hopefully on the in a couple of weeks when i 'm on the show i get to talk about the olympus e five oh, okay. which i've been testing uh, so you know I love shooting with these cameras, and I just think Nikon did a really good job with the seven thousand
0: nice, nice. Yeah, I wish I could test stuff like you test stuff. Oh, speaking of testing, <laughs> by the way, um, we on a past show, we were talking about uh, lenses, third-party lenses, and mm-hmm. the consensus was that we came to, and this was all just personal experience from the folks that were on the show, that you know they're not as good as the lenses that you get from the camera manufacturers, Nikon, Canon, Sony, whatever. Um, so the one of the folks from Sigma contacted uh-huh. me, um and w- hopefully we'll be coming on the show soon to defend Ooh. their honor.
2: I should. Be, I think I was <laughs> one of the people saying because it's all experience. i you know I've I've only had bad experience with all of my Sigma lens. I've had a lot of them too. So. Yeah. So we'll, you, know.
1: you want to you be on that show? We'll have
2: a, yeah, we'll yeah, have a, th- a yeah.
0: lens
1: Thunderdome. <laughs> <laughs> well, and, and I'll I be on the other side. One of my favorite lenses is the Sigma 50 f four. I just love that lens. It's a, it's a great lens. So. Wonderful.
0: Well, they're sending me, I don't have any Sigma lenses, so they're going to send over an 85 mil for me to play with before the show. Uh, which I'll, of course, send back. Uh, but they're gonna, I'm going to play with it so I can be informed about the quality of it. And I'll test it in comparison with my own 85. And we'll see, we'll see how it goes. But it's, uh, yeah, it's interesting. I mean, they, they, uh, they want to come on and defend their honor. We'll see if uh, Tamron or anyone else pipes up to come on mm-hmm. the show. Josh from Josh Norum. He's, uh, he's the marketing guy over at borrowlenses.com piped up also and said he has some experience with those li- with those lenses and wants to come on to talk from a kind of middleman standpoint of how good they are or not, you know. So- well, you know,
1: th- I would be really interested to hear what he has to say because, you know, they, he sees things being put through probably everyday use on the rugged side. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, they have to kind of clean them up and then get them ready to go out again. So I, I bet he has some some very interesting stuff to oh. add.
2: And yep. you know, to, on the flip side, I've had a the Canon twenty four one hundred five f four L lens, and I have started to just not use it. I really don't like it anymore, and I'm I'm just so picky with my focus and my other lenses. Well, mostly my seventy to two hundred gives me a better focus. So it's you know it goes both ways, and and that could just be a uh, compatibility with the camera, the micro adjustment. It could mm-hmm. there could be so many different things, but um, yeah.
1: You might want to send that in too. You know, it could be ready yeah. for a little a little uh-
2: yeah, That's a good point. That's a good point.
0: Yeah, yeah, it's interesting, but you know that'll be a, a future show. We'll dive deeper. You know, we kind of, you know, for, I don't think we dragged the third party <laughs> lenses through the mud too much. We were just sort of seeing what our experiences were. But you know, it'll be good to, to complete the loop and have them on to discuss. You know, what the primary differences are, manufacturing wise, optics wise. You know, even imperfections in the glass. You know, does Nikon use some special glass, or Canon use some special glass that they don't have access to, or you know? W- and how come my shots, my big thing would be, you know, I've seen shots that were done with, with third-party lenses, um, and I want to see if those shots, the shots that they put in magazines that show, mm-hmm. like, that DNA-level detail, if that's what a typical user can expect to get from those lenses. So,
1: Well, uh, I, since I won't be on that show, I, I want to give you my bottom line right now, and then we'll see how it holds up. When, yeah. When you have actually, people who know what they're talking about uh, there. But I will say that I... I like third-party. I will consider third-party lenses for specialty lenses, mm-hmm. uh, things like the you know 100 mil macro, the you know the 50 mil, the 85 mil that you're going to be testing. Uh, lenses like that, that I think sometimes are overpriced from the from the camera manufacturers, and I think a lot of times, at least my experience with Sigma is that they do a pretty good job on those lenses. I I must admit I'm not as wild about them uh, on the zoom lenses, and mm-hmm. I I tend to go with manufacturers on the zoom. So we'll we'll see. You, you can. Hold that on there and we'll see if I, if they just go, oh, God, that guy's, good thing he's not on the show.
2: <laughs> well, they do create a lot of lenses that you can't get with the, you know, the, the camera manufacturers. Yes. So that's yes. that's where they're good. You know, I've heard people getting the really long uh, focal lengths that, you know, you can't even get them with Canon or Nikon or whatever. So
0: Yeah, yeah. Well, we shall see. All right, guys, it's time for the pick of the week or the picks of the week. This is when each guest gives their pick. And remember, this can be software, hardware, gear, a workshop, whatever, as long as it's photography related. So, Derek, you want to go first?
1: Yeah, yeah, I have. uh, uh, This is one of my favorite picks of the weeks all the time. And I put it on the Christmas list every year. But it's a rocket blaster. It's a rocket air blaster. And uh, I just love these things. They're only like $12.00. Uh, the is or I always say the name wrong. I'm sure on that G I O T T O S. Nicole, how do you say that?
2: I don't know. Is it like Italian?
1: Yeah, it is. I thought. Giotos. <laughs> oh, <laughs> <you're laughs> <like my laughs> no, language I know. Persian,
2: <laughs> that's it. Korean, French. That's about it.
1: <laughs> Darn. <laughs> <laughs> I would say
2: Giotos, but I don't know. That's what <laughs> okay, I'd say. I like Giotos. 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 Yeah,
1: well, even if it's not right, it sounds better than what I said. <laughs> <so>. <laughs> anyway the the nineteen hundred that they make it's like twelve dollars and the thing about it it 's a bulb with a with a you know long red nose and if you blow you know we 're talking about lenses and if you blow <laughs> off the back of your lens before you put it onto your camera, if you do this religiously uh you will cut down big time on uh sensor dust problems it really it really helps a lot and then you can use it safely you know on other uh, pieces of gear too, because there are no propellants, and it gives a nice blast of air. Twelve bucks uh, makes a great gift. Awesome. Yeah, those are
2: good. They don't suck the dust back into the um, back into the little tube thing or whatever that you push the air from. That's that's one of the reasons I like them. because yeah. I have one too, so I really like this.
1: Very cool. It's twelve bucks, Derek. Twelve bucks. Awesome. All right, get the bigger one. Get the bigger one because it really gives a good blast.
2: You could squish them in your camera bag too. They fit anywhere. <laughs>
1: Yeah. Oh yeah. I, well sometimes people just see the red nose thing, the sticky and go, what do you got in there? <laughs> I'm not even going there. Don't right. worry, I don't use it for that.
0: <laughs> I'm not even going there. I know you're baiting me, Derek Story, but I'm not going there. <laughs> Nicole what is your pick?
2: Uh my pick is MPix. It's a <clears throat> excuse me, it's a printing website. Uh and that, a little story behind this. I about three months ago, I told myself because I don't, I never print anything. It's horrible. I have like I had like nothing on my walls, none of my own pictures, and so I told myself, I was like every month you know, uh, for like maybe the next year, I'm going to force myself to print, frame and hang something on my wall. So then I actually like have, you know, my own photos de- decorating my house. And so I've been doing this for the last couple of months and I just did one and I got it yesterday, I hung it on my wall, took a picture, put it on uh, Twitter. And I had people asking me where, did, you know, because I said I got it from Mpix. They're like, oh, where'd you get it framed? And I was like, Mpix. <laughs> so it, the cool thing it's great. You if you want, you don't have to get things framed. I just This is just how I do it. I get it, uh, you know, I print it. They mat it. Uh, they put glass on it. They put the frame on it. And then they, you know, like t- cover it all in the back so it looks really professional. And it literally comes ready to hang on your wall. It's, wow. it's so easy. Because I'm horrible. If I get a picture, and it costs so much to get things framed. And oh. it's actually a pretty good deal if you do it through them, you know. Because it costs for, I think I got like uh, 12 by 18 uh, printed frame matted and it was just under a hundred dollars and um, for the print, could,
0: for the printing for everything the, every including shipping?
2: Including shipping. Including shipping. Oh, yeah. Geez. Well I do I do MPix Pro so I get well no actually I was just shy of free shipping. But um I do MPix Pro so it might be a little different because uh but still that's it, really yeah. cheap. Wow. That's a re- yeah, it was like just under $100. So because you know, if I get it if if somebody just sends me the prints then I have to take it somewhere and, you know, get it all figured out, that's just a pain and I never do it. So and it they FedEx it. It came like 3 days after I ordered it or maybe even less than that. So I highly recommend them. The quality is just really great.
0: Wow, that's awesome. All and, right, mpix.com, right?
2: Yes, M-P-I-X. Awesome. Don't go uh, to N N Picks. That's a completely different website. <laughs> Uh-oh.
0: Now, now I when I go there, see? <laughs> <laughs> i right in
2: As in Mike Mike Papa India X-ray.
0: I uh, got it. Got oh. It. All right. Uh so my pick of the week. I've got I've got two. Um the first one is for I was talking to this guy uh, yesterday, uh, Zach. He's going to come on the show in a couple of weeks, I think. I'm going to do a special interview with him. Um, but he is like the master of SEO, and for those who don't know what SEO is, is search engine optimization. And he specializes is he specializes in helping photographers optimize their website so that they rank higher in Google, and which is the which is kind of golden if you're you're say a wedding photographer in. You know, I don't know, Napa, you know, and you you want to rank above all the other photographers there because people typically click higher on links in the search results when they're searching. So he helps he helps photographers do that, and he's written an ebook, a pretty cool ebook that I have that I'm actually reading on my iPad right now. That's it's not like uh, it's not junk at all. I mean, it's just like full of do this, do that, do this, do that, boom, and watch your rank go up. You know, so like tactics and strategies just to get your to to get you to rank higher in Google. So that is my number one pick, and I'll link to that in the show notes. And the second one is from Silarina. Who we've had on the show before, and he was just recently at a meetup that I did earlier this week, um, doing a demonstration uh, based on this book that he's that's about to be released. I think you can only pre-order it right now, but it's called the it's called Silarina's Speedlighter's Handbook. And it, basically, it just talks about different techniques for using small strobes to get big results, and doing different techniques like freezing action and all that kind of crazy stuff. Sill is like a he's like a rebel with this stuff, and he says the manufacturers wonder what he's doing when he <laughs> when he d- does some unorthodox type photography and strobe lighting with these things. Uh, Derek, do you are do you know Sill?
1: I don't know Sill, but I I think this is a great recommendation. I I think. I'm, I'm glad to see uh, off-camera flash and those techniques coming back a little bit. Yeah, uh, for a while, every time I got a photo assistant, they insisted on shooting existing light only, no matter what. <laughs> and uh, and you know, I'm, so I'm glad to see the flash techniques coming back because I think it's 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 good to have that in your repertoire.
0: Yeah, yeah. Well, I'm a I'm a purist. I I only shoot available light, and that's mm-hmm. any light that's available. <laughs> So, you know, and, you know, the bottom line of, of, about that is, you know, a lot of people say that, and I think, and, you know, I'm sure we'll get some, some interesting comments in the forum, but, but I think people that only shoot available light and, and kind of shy away from strobe may not understand how to use strobe correctly, you know?
2: I agree. And I'm not, I don't want to put anyone down, but you know, when you hear people say, oh, I only shoot natural light, it's like, well, that's great. But, you know, sometimes you can make some really great shots with, you know, strobes and stuff. Yeah, was like, it could just be a cop out. It. it could be, you know, if that's what you do, if you know everything about light and that's what you choose. Awesome.
0: Yeah. I mean, super. I, I only shoot natural light as opposed to supernatural light. Right. I guess that's a good thing. All right. We're at the end of the show, folks. Uh, Derek, where are you at online?
1: Uh, I'm I'm still hanging out at thedigitalstory.com. dot So the digital story, my my universe is right there, and it's your uh, blog, your podcast, all that magic, right? All all that magic, everything's right there. So come by, come by, and nose around. I'm, I try to do fun stuff all the time.
0: And how's your workshop series going? Are you still keeping up with that?
1: Oh gosh, so much fun! I uh, we sold out of the March one right away, <laughs> and and oh, I want to thank thank you for bringing that up. So uh, a lot of you out there have contacted me since. We've talked about it, and it's been great, you know. Uh, you know, getting to know you, and you know, a lot of you are on the the reserve list. And I think I got a couple listeners that are uh, attending the March workshop. Oh, so really cool! This is fabulous having the the Twip community there uh, represented. Also,
0: that's really cool. All right, Twippers, wear something that says Twip on it. So, Derek, knows yeah. who you are.
1: Yeah yeah we, we'll, we'll do a battle the battle of the you know the digital story audience versus the twip audience so oh, can have, like, <laughs> yes <wolf> something
0: <laughs> yes no photo contest yeah photo contest okay. available light versus super supernatural light. <laughs> right. <laughs> right all right Nicole where are you at online
2: uh, you can find me on Twitter it's Nicole n i c o l e s y, and I also blog at Nicole dot com
0: awesome cool thanks guys this is uh, this has been a really informative show <laughs> All right. If you want to keep up with everything that's going on in the TWIP universe, you can just head over to thisweekinphoto.com. There you'll find links to our Facebook fan page, our Twitter account, and everything else. And if you're looking for me, Frederick Van Johnson, you can check out my blog at frederickvan.com or follow me on Twitter at twitter.com forward slash Frederick Van. And with that, it is time to take that lens cap off. <laughs>